the space of selfishness. I think that that, again, is connected to an old societal thing that you're asking for something just for yourself. That That is a new concept. That's a modern day woman concept. That's Alicia Appleton, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Cara Duffy, and in this episode, I am excited to introduce to you Alicia Appleton, founder of Amber Portier, a leather accessories brand based in New York City. Her work is beautiful, practical, and inspiring, very much like her. We discuss the power of choosing yourself, how to design your life, and how there's room for everyone to thrive and follow their heart. Before we jump into this episode, I want to remind you to come and join my Powerful Ladies Thrive membership. Each month, we tackle a new business skill and topic, and this month, we're deep diving into sales. So many people are afraid of selling. We love making things, but we feel terrified or feel pushy if we start selling. If that's you, go get my free ebook, Stop Selling, Start Sharing at either thepowerfulladies.com or caraduffy.com right now. Then immediately after, come and join my Powerful Ladies Thrive membership. The difference between a business and a hobby is that a business makes you money. And the only way to do that is to master the art of sharing. Yes, sharing, which is way more powerful than selling. Come and learn how as a Thrive member at thepowerfulladies.com. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Of course. So I would love to begin. Please tell everybody who you are and what you're up to in the world. So my name is Alicia Appleton, and I am the founder and proud designer of Amber Poitier, which are leather accessories and sculptural uh beautiful pieces that you can wear. Uh, and I'm based here in New York, and I just like making abstract and fun thing. And I love that everything that's on you and around you fits exactly into all of it. Like your shirt has the same detailing that I see in the leather bag and your earrings. Like it's all amazing. So well-styled for your um, Paraphilies podcast. Um, How did you get into being a maker of amazing things? Hmm. I guess the story starts when I was about eight years old. And I was a bit of a handful. (laughs) Uh, uh, And so my mom put me in an after school program and I learned how to crochet from a woman named Miss Bostick. Uh, And I, that's how, I guess that's how I learned how to sit still. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started to crochet uh, and make dolls. And then that graduated to just craft things. And I didn't know that I could really um, do that as a career. Uh, and I went to uh, undergrad school. I did fashion, uh, but I went to a school that had accounting and fashion. So I didn't have to fully confess to my parents. And then uh, when I had enough, uh, you know, courage, I went to my dad and said, sorry, dad, I can't continue your company. I'm going to go into fashion. So that that's the how I started to make things. I've always been handy, uh, mm-hmm. breaking apart things, taking apart my VCR, putting it back together. So that's what I love to do. 
I mean, that's a that's a big conversation to have with a parent, right? If they have their own business and say, I know you want me to follow in your footsteps, I'm not gonna do it. Um, what what gave you the courage to have that conversation and how did it go? So hmm. So first, I want to give a little bit of a backstory, which is that my parents are West Indian. And so West Indian parents, and I'm the first generation born here, right? So uh, this was a very, very, very difficult conversation to have. <laughs> um, and there were certain levels of expectations. But I, what I really landed on was the love of my grandmother, uh, my mm-hmm. maternal grandmother, and the fact that my parents fought so hard to come here and, you know, generations and generations so that I can have an opportunity. And the point of the opportunity is for happiness, right? Mm-hmm. The point of, of the opportunity is for growth. And so that's at what is at the core of of their fight. Um, so that's what I had to land on. And that's what I had to re-deliver to my father. And remind him of, um, and I had to get my mom on my side first. That was the first thing. And in order to get my mom on her on my side, I had to get my grandmother on my side. So, <laughs> so you were working family sales basically from the beginning. <laughs> from yeah. the beginning, and anything in my family is always about a presentation. Maybe not a PowerPoint presentation, but you've got to come with your arguments. Um, you've got to come uh, ready for objections. Ever since I was like eight or nine years old, this is the same presentation I would use if I wanted a toy, if I wanted a new electronic uh, device. Um, this has always been the the thing. And so my my father's mother always thought I would be a lawyer because I was always good at uh, placing my argument on the table uh, and persuading yeah. people <laughs> towards uh, a clear understanding, a mutual understanding, I should say. Well, I, I love that you bring that up because um, in April, we're diving all into sales. And while how sales is not selling the way we think it is, it's usually sharing. But to me, the fastest way to hack the sales process is exactly that. Like go exactly to whatever formula you use to convince your parents to say yes. Because we always had to come prepared with all the answers to the objections. We had to have an answer for everything they could say because we knew if we didn't, it would be an automatic no. And I want more people to think about when they're selling their products or services to think about it in that capacity because it becomes a little bit more of a game. And you realize like when we would pitch to our parents, we went in being like, we're going to be a yes. So we just got to (laughs) get them to see that they're going to be a yes. And if you do that with like actual sales of things, it transforms the entire experience. Like I love, love, love that you brought that up. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's really about what is their, what is their objective? Mm-hmm. And sometimes some people will forget what their objective is, right? So to remind yeah. them, hey, this is your objective. And then these are the perks and how this is a great fit. Just sign up. It's a yeah. problem. It's what you've always <laughs> wanted this whole time and you didn't know. <laughs> so when you're in design school, did you know that you would go into the type of work you're doing today? Or did you think you would be 
Like, I think most people go into design school and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a couture designer, right? Like, that's the only type of designer you're told about really as, you know, outside of the design space. Um, So did you know what kind you wanted to be or how did you get into the specific handiwork that you do today? So I wish that I could say that it was this beautiful story and uh, there were birds chirping along the path to this place. (laughs) It was not. (laughs) Uh, So when I went to this, I went to FIT and um, I actually was involved in a three-in-one program. So I went to SUNY Oneonta for three years, FIT for one year. And it was a very, very strenuous program at FIT. You take like 25 credits or something like that all Mm -hmm. at the same time. And I went in as a knitwear designer. So when I came out, I I knew that I wanted to work in the corporate world. um, And I did that for about 15 15 years. And Mm -hmm. then after having just a really bad experience, um, I think that that design school does not set you up to uh, work in corporate design at all. Mm -mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, a lot of the teachers are quite, th- their methods, I should say, are quite ach- ancient. Um, and you really have to have a network around you. Mm-hmm. Because if I relied on that, my teachers would have told me that I was not talented enough to like do anything. And my network around me uh, reminded me that I was. Uh, and all the things that they were teaching me were none of the things that I actually used. <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. So I'm fine to not be talented in the antiquated ways of their world. Uh, but talented in what I do and what actually works. <laughs> so what happened was that I went from being a designer to a uh, I also was a technical designer. Uh, mm-hmm. And I went into being a merchant. And uh, that was not by choice. I was actually let go. Uh, and some of the best things that has happened to me were when I was let go for, for whatever reason. Uh, and they actually rehired me and said, listen, we love having you on the staff, but the position you know, was downsized. And so uh, there's a merchant assistant mer- merchant position available. Would you like it? And I had an attitude and I was like, no, I didn't go to school for that. Get out of here. And I actually went and did another job for three months and I hated that job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called them back and said, Hey, can I come back? They said, yes. So in that position, I learned how I learned a lot about um, the setup of a company, right? So mm-hmm. um, operations, um, how to have um, big money uh, conversations. I was in charge of, I went from being in charge of $12 million to $20 million. Um, prior to that, I had no idea of, you know, how much money I was in charge of. I was just designing, you know? Uh, so it was nice to, to, to marry the two. Through that experience, though, um, I had a supervisor who was not um, not kind to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a. I, I, I won't say for for what reason. I, I I'm not her, uh, mm-hmm. but she was not kind to me, and so it created a lot of pressure uh, to the point that I had the Sunday blues, is what I would call it, at about three o'clock and. And mm-hmm. in the afternoon or on a Sunday, my stomach would turn, hating to think about going to work. Um, and so I had to make a decision. I really had to make a decision about what I was going to do because it was affecting my health. It was affecting so many things. And so um, 
at the time, thank God for Obama, uh, the FMLA uh, 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 plan was put in order or, or uh, administrative plan was put in order. And so I took that because it was really affecting my health. And through uh, taking three months off and trying to figure out what I was going to do, I started to make, I had to go back to the thing that I love to do because I felt like I got lost along the path. And I was, that was another hard conversation I had to have with my family because I was now a manager. My family fought so hard for me to have opportunity. I fight to get into this career that no one knows anything about. Great. I get here. I move up the ranks. I'm now a manager. I have people reporting to me. And I turn around and say, thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. So I think what really gave me the courage at that moment was a conversation with my dad in which he, um, I, I said, I said to him, Hey dad, I, I don't think I can go back. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm done with my three months. I've got to make a decision. And he said, you know what? I finally have seen my daughter again. Your personality has come back. You know, you, you look happier. Um, and, and this is the daughter that I remember. And so whatever it is that we have to figure out, that's what we're going to figure out, but you're not going to go back. And that gave me the courage to have that conversation. And then I started making what you know now is my leather accessories. There's so many things I would love to to expand on of what you shared. The first being having the insight and the knowledge that it was okay to take that break. I literally had to seek out a therapist. And actually, I didn't seek out a therapist. My mother saw how bad things were and sought, like, sought out a therapist that, that she recommended. And so that was really how it started. And I was so connected to my work that I didn't see that there was a problem. Yeah. So many people don't feel like they're doing what they should be doing. They're not in their purpose. They're not aligned. Like things aren't working. And... We just accept that that's what we've been handed versus we're the creators. We can change things. And I love that you were given the opportunity to pause. And I love that your story started when you were eight, because that's one of the questions I always ask everybody is there's something magical about that age, whether you had a hard time or you had a great time at eight. There's something about that age that to me aligns with the core of who we are and the the light that we have to share with people. And uh, you know, there's just a there's just a magic at that place. And I love that you knew you had to get back to creating things when you took that pause. Like just doing what you uh, I guess I'm sure in working with the therapist, like when have I been happy? What's made me happy? What am I not doing now? Right with those am I psychic about the questions you were getting asked? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, coming back to that. And what was that healing process like for you to start being you again and to start creating again? I I can honestly say, Kara, that I'm still in the healing process (laughs) of it all uh, because it has been such a big part of my identity. Um, And so a big part of that process has really been about exploring my identity um, Mm -hmm. and and my value, you know, 
Um, I think that oftentimes in, in many different careers, but particularly in fashion, that, you know, your contribution happens, especially as an assistant, and no one notices what you do. You never, you get used to not getting um, praise for it or acknowledged for it. Um, and it, it just becomes something that you do. And so you don't understand your value. And I've really come to a place to understand that all of my relationships after that have changed Um, in which I'm like, you know what, that's too much time. That's a no. You know what? I do really value that. And I want to be able to pour into that. And it's really about designing your life, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and, and understanding that you have the power to do so. And that has really been a really great healing place for me as well as, um, it sounds really cliche, but just taking some time to breathe. You know, I really mm-hmm. took up yoga um, and and that has really helped me to slow down my mind and, and marry movement with, um, with peace. And, and that has been really great for me. Um, I know I have friends who, who hate yoga, whatever the thing is to, to help you slow down is really important. And going back to the basics. So sometimes I'll just sit and sketch and draw for an mm-hmm. afternoon. And I know that I need to do laundry and I need to do all these things. But if I'm not at my best, then I'm only going to be pouring in toxicity to the other things I pour into. So how about I take some time to be better? Maybe not my best today, but better. Yeah. And, and, we get so attached to these everyday tasks that we think we're supposed to do. But the truth is, somebody else can always do your laundry. Somebody else can always cook for you. Nobody else can do the thing that's you and nobody else can take care of you. And we, like, I, I, I'm also been like really evaluating this in my own life of how have we put so many things in the wrong order and we're not doing it intentionally. It, should, it almost feels like it's happening to us. And you wake up, you're like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't pick this order. Like, who put that on my <laughs> to-do list? Um, and really um, coming back to that intentionality and choosing and remembering, as you said, like, we get to design our own lives. What do we want to design? Um, which I think for perhaps for people like you and I that have a, have a design background where you just create things from nothing because that's what you do with a blank piece of paper. Like we're maybe closer to realizing like, oh, if I can draw this on paper, I can draw this into my life. And I just want everybody to like hear that. Everybody listening, if you get nothing else from this episode, know that you can make your own life. Like that's, that's where the powerful and powerful ladies comes from for me. Um, how much more powerful do you feel today than you did before? Oh my gosh. Well, my line is really about reminding women about the power that they have. Because mm-hmm. when you think about women and value, right? I go back to this whole idea of, um, you know, in the past, women were really valued by their looks, not by what they did anything of that sort, but by, by, by their looks. And that really creates this like competitive uh, arena between women. Mm-hmm. And when we look at what we do now or the expectation of today, uh, it's very, it hasn't changed that much in the sense that we're expected to do all these things. And there is this competitive nature and society is telling us, you know, how we're not pretty enough or not, we're not slim enough or we're not, 
you know, how many critiques there are of women, but there aren't of men. And so any woman who's able to get through her to-do schedule, because I'm sure that it is extremely long, Mm-hmm. Uh, and show up for work and, you know, if she is a mother, be a mother and show up for her girlfriends and show up for herself. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, um, that is a superpower. <laughs> it, is, yes. it is a superpower. It's mind blowing to me. And so, you know, we oftentimes are sitting in this place of, oh my gosh, I did not accomplish this on my to-do list, but maybe your to-do list was way too long. And if you keep up with that to-do list, unfortunately, you probably will end up in a place of illness of some sort Mm -hmm. and you'll never get to that to-do list. So then what? Yeah. Yeah. So was it really that important? I don't think so. As, As women rights have been shifting and what women are allowed to do by society has been shifting. It's just been an add on, as you said, it hasn't been. Um, nothing's come off our plates <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, um, you know, we talk a lot about that we have to first drop things off our to-do list, then automate them, then delegate them. And that's the only way we can survive. With your business, like how, how have, what have you done to delete things from your to-do list and then like be able to prioritize everything that you want to do and your business. Like what are you proactively doing or what have you done? Uh, again, still a work in progress in, in that arena for my life. Uh, but uh, thinking about certainly one of the things I think about is production, right? Because I'm a very vertical business. And so um, I love the idea of painting by hand and crocheting by hand in this artisanal, you know, space. And I really realized that Mm -hmm. even thinking about having to wear all these different hats that I can be so enthralled in my artistic space that I will put aside my CEO space. So I've had to call in someone else, you know, and and present to them and have them kind of say to me, Mm -hmm. okay, I see where you're going or no, you need to put that aside. Right. And, And those things have helped to prioritize what it is that I have going on because then I have to think about, I have to explain this to someone else. If I just have to explain to myself, it'll be a mess. I, (laughs) I wish I could say I'm so well put together and I I could just do this. Mm -hmm. But no, I I like to start at the reality of things, right? Because on on every map Mm -hmm. that you look at, you really have to start with, I am here. And then to get to the next place, you know, what's the path? What are the tools? Um, And I have really, I really understood. Let me say this again. I really understand now that I have to prioritize my mental health uh, and mm-hmm. my physical health above everything else. So I won't get every workout that I have on the schedule, but I do need to start with planning it out to make the space for it. The tasks in my lives are definitely not hard. It's really about creating the space for it. And that's what we talk a lot about in yoga as well, right? Creating the space for for something and when it's difficult your first reaction is to come out of it but what it, what it really requires is for you to breathe through it mm-hmm. right and understand the boundaries uh and then thirdly is having a community around me that 
understands and respects boundaries. Uh, and that's one of the first things anyone joining my community has to understand and respect boundaries. We can negotiate some things, um, but there are certainly boundaries. And if that is an issue for you, that has made the process easy for me to say, thank you. It's been great to know you and this won't work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just hear so much of you stepping into you like honoring yourself, which to me is the biggest boss move, right? The biggest boss move is that I have to honor myself, put myself first and know that it's not selfish. It's what I have to do to create space for everybody else that I want to serve. And I love that. I also want to give, oh, go ahead, please. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that the space of selfishness, I think that that again is connected to um, an old uh, societal thing, right? That you're asking for something just for yourself. That, that is a new concept. That's a modern day woman concept that, that, that I don't think is explored enough or celebrated mm-hmm. enough or talked about enough. And I think that um, how society has tried to get, get that out of us is, is through a place of shame. Yes, so, it's, I, I, I agree with you. The, are you being selfish comes from a, a, a patriarchal way of looking at the world. Um, and I like just like yoga, like there's so many ancient philosophies and traditions that when we look at them, they make so much more sense now because they're just part of how things really work. Like it's like we want to abandon the like abandon what is just so from nature sometimes. And um honoring yourself and taking that time to pause and be connected and know that that's the most important thing because it gives you a source and access to so much else. Um, I'm glad that that's like coming back to Western modern culture. And I'm, it's unfortunate that we've forgotten it over time and that cultures have forgotten it. Um, There's so much. And right now I am just so excited that I trusted my own instincts that when I saw Mikkel share about you and saw your posts and saw a few things, I'm like, I want to talk to her. She looks awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are. This is such a great conversation, right? Like it's, I love that this show gives me access to invite people on who I don't know, who I think look fascinating. And then we start having a conversation. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we've known each other forever. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it has been my pleasure. Um, Mikkel is, oh my gosh, Mikkel is such a great woman uh, in what she does. And she is the person who I run so many of my ideas through. She is the person who talks me down, talks me over the ledge, off the off of the ledge, um, and is so supportive uh, through the entire process of it all. Um, and that's really what you need. Like that coach that's in there that Mm -hmm. will coach you to the end and say, why not, you know, and just throw caution to the wind, but will also, um, I, I lie to you, not every time I make a plan and I'm like, I'm going to create this thing and do this thing. And I'm so excited. She always brings me back to, so is this going to make your life easier? Yeah. Is this 
what's going to be the best for you as a person and someone who is a cheerleader for you as just as a person minus Mm -hmm. what you do is always what you need on your team. And that is the strength of women. Yes. And, and you, you mentioned so many great points, right? Of like who, who you need on your, on your team. Um, all in March, we, we talked about like why we need teams. And my favorite statistic is that you can literally 10 X your sales with a team, right? Which you and I get to talk about briefly. And it's the team isn't, isn't always people we pay, right? Like Mikkel was in one of our group calls and thrive. And she's like, I'm asking people like, what kind of team, what teams do you have? And she's like, is this the team? I'm like, yes, powerful ladies is the team. Like that's where it comes from, right? And there's that that amazing skill of you want people in your team who are going to co- bring you back to the core things that matter to you and ask those big questions, but also like keep pushing you when you're like, okay, now you're asking too many questions that are limiting you. You didn't ask the big ones that are going to give you the freedom and the joy and all the stuff that you you really want. Oftentimes as a solopreneur, you're kind of, that's where I am. And your, your workshop was awesome. Um, and giving permission to uh, understand what you need and um, how to find your teammate and, you know, what is it that, that are, what are the, your best skills? Um, so that was a really, really great uh, session. And I took down some really great notes and I'm hoping to implement them really soon. Uh, but I will say that as a solopreneur, I think that we oftentimes uh, have that thing where we're like, only I can do this thing and mm-hmm. not focus too many times being the janitor and not focusing on how to get to be the CEO. Mm-hmm. The floors need to be mopped. The things need to be done. Got it. But there does need to be a bridge to get you to the CEO space. So uh, I, I, it helped to alleviate some guilt and clarify some things in taking that workshop. <coughs> so that was really great. Thank you. Well, especially for you with, with the the level of creative detailed work that you do, like you're creating art every day, right? And we want the art by you. Um, I don't care who swept the floor, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't care who's doing your accounting. I don't, you know, like, I don't even care who is, you know, f- like shipping the order to me. But I care that your heart and soul went into the piece that's coming in some capacity as a creative director, as an oversight, as literally your hand sometimes. Um, There's, you know, the power of the artisan, like to lean in on that, right? And if if you also being an accountant, you want to do your own books or think you should, that's okay, right? We're all left and right brained. That's okay. But so often people give up the things that they know how to teach somebody, which can also be the things they love instead of giving up the things that are like, I don't even know. I don't even need to know what I don't know about that. Like, just figure it out for me. Yeah, I think that oftentimes we as women are left with a problem. Someone drops it on our lap, just life in general, what have you. And so we assume that we, and I'm certainly guilty of this, assume that we've got to know the ins and outs of something in order to get it done. And the reality is that we don't. And uh, whenever I'm kind of 
unsure about things like that when I'm in a, in an in a arena like that. I think of mm-hmm. men who do things uh, and they don't they don't know how to do it. They don't ask them any you know any questions about the particular subject. Um, the level of confidence that they're able to show up in a room with knowing that they know nothing about the particular subject. Um, I, sh- I think I actually learned it from an ex-boyfriend. He... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. He, he was, was full of shit and I just took it. <laughs> I did. And, and honestly, you know, in the past, I would look back and feel so shameful. Like, why would I, you know, allow myself Mm -hmm. to be with such a man that would constantly ask me, what are you cooking for dinner? And, you know, I'm coming by, but never did he show up with dinner. Right. Never did Mm -hmm. he ask, did you have lunch? Right. And so, and show up with such level of, of confidence and, and ego. And I never thought this is out of place. This is crazy. Yeah. Until I had enough. And I lie to you not when I go into meetings and I'm unsure and I, and I don't know if I know all the details or whatever the case is. I just think about him and I put Mm -hmm. on my V cloak is is what I'll, I'll call it and go in with level of confidence. Because if he can pull it off and not know anything, if I know a little bit, I definitely can pull it off. Yeah. And I'm going to give you like 100 points more of what he's ever known. And <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, that's the, um, I, I spent 20 years working in sport fashion and watching people have roles where I'm like, I don't you don't even know what an FOB is. Like, how are you allowed to be making executive decisions? <laughs> and the, the, like, just seeing people take over a room and everyone go like, oh, they must know what they're talking about. Meanwhile, I'm like, I know they have no idea what they're talking about. And now I'm going to have to fix it all after like you, whatever you guys agreed to, because he's dazzling you. I'm going to go fix it. And it, this is such a waste of everybody's time, right? <laughs> like just seeing that over and over and over again. And this is, this was rare cases. Most people do know what they're talking about. I have worked with amazing men and amazing women and lots of smart people. But to see it happen repeatedly at different companies and different organizations, and I know it happens everywhere in every industry that that the swagger and the the lip service that people can give to move people through a space where I think so many women are like thinking about how to make it all happen in the backup and they're going to ask questions and like all these things run through our heads to be like, oh, we're not ready where it takes one percentage of knowledge for someone else to be like, I'm ready. And I agree with you. Like what, what if all of us who had the more percentages of knowing were like, I got this, we can figure it out because we always do anyway. Exactly. When that person hasn't figured it out, when that person who was hired, who doesn't know what's happening or whatever, and it does what you expect it to do, you you wish it well, but you know what it's going to do. Mm -hmm. It lands on your lap and you figure it out. 
and you don't know the answers to everything, but what you do know are your wins. What you do know is that you've done it before. And a lot of times we don't remember those. We hold on, I forgot what the statistics said, but it's like, we hold on to all the negative things that happen in a situation, but we forget mm-hmm. the positives. And when you're counting your, your wins one by one and you go through your track record, that is what gives me the confidence uh, to step up to a new, uh, a new platform, a new arena uh, and figure that out. Because every other one I've had to do it, whether I wanted to or not, whether I tried to avoid it with all of my might or not, here I am. And so I either get to choose to be in this space and take control of it, or I get to let it con- take control of me. And so Mm -hmm. I've seen it when I've given the reins to other people when it comes to my life. And I know that I can do a way better job. So let's do it. And then once you build your confidence, it becomes like a game. You start to have like a a, a swish (laughs) in your step, like is a rhythm and it becomes a beautiful thing. Yep. I'm pretty sure you're my new best friend. This is all exactly what. I would, I would, yes, 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 yes. Um, which also leads me to, you know, when you hear the words powerful and ladies separately, what do they make, what do they mean to you? What do they make you feel? And when you hear the words together, do they make you think or feel anything different? Powerful and ladies, powerful ladies, I think of, they don't make me think of something different, powerful, everyone, anything, all things. Mm -hmm. Um, And ladies, I think of powerful and um, how do I say like builders and um, givers of life and like powerful and soft. Mm-hmm. Although very different, although uh, separate spaces beautifully sit in that definition of a woman. And then when I think of them together, I literally think of women coming together and move. Like I just see movement, moving of mountains, moving of things, just, just movement. When women get together, <laughs> whether good or bad, something's going to change. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that is what I think of. It's just about what are we going to change? You mentioned Mikkel uh, and what an influence she's been on your life and being part of your, you know, confidence boosting, go-to, like your powerful lady squad. Who are other women that you know or know from afar that have influenced and inspired you along the way? Absolutely. So um, I have a cousin. I'm so glad that she's my family member, uh, Judith. And she actually works for, well, I won't say what she works for, but she works in the medical field. Uh, And from the beginning, she has been a cheerleader. um, And she is so stingy with money. (laughs) (laughs) I knew, I knew that I was doing something when she said, I want to invest, you know? Um, and family does not uh, mm-hmm. persuade her to, to do that. It's just on, on merit. And so uh, my mom, uh, 
she is probably why I went into fashion to begin with. Uh, and she has, mm-hmm. I'm such a rules person. You know, what are the rules? Let's stick by the rules and do the thing, you know, whatever. She is not. and she gives me the courage to uh step outside the rules sometimes when that that needs to happen um another person who's on my team it's it's not a woman but uh my my youngest brother believe it or not we're eight years apart and he actually helped me to get into sales to, to sell my products. I would, my, the first time I was making things and I sold, uh, he went to, uh, the shows with me and he, um, helped me to, to speak to people and to understand I need to protect my voice and I need to do all these different things. And he is the artist that always knows, um, how to coach me along and, and get me from that deepest place of, of doubt to this place of um, mm-hmm. joy. Uh, I think that joy is one of the things that that I embody, I try to embody. Um, and who doesn't want to be around joy? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so with how long has your business been around and where are you selling it today? Is it, is it a mix of wholesale, retail, e-com? Tell us, tell us more about the actual business itself. Sure. So um, my business started in 2015. And uh, right now it's online only. And (laughs) it's in one other location, but it's closed due to COVID. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's actually at the African American uh, Museum of Heritage and Culture in DC in the gift store. So I was so excited. Thank you. I was so excited about that. But that happened March I mailed out the order March 3rd of 2020. And as we all know, that was the beginning of COVID. So I have not been able to go and just bask in that glory or, you know, talk about that Mm -hmm. much. Um, And at the beginning of 2020, I started to go to uh, trade shows so that I could uh, increase wholesale museum uh, accounts. And Mm -hmm. that was not a smart idea either because COVID happened. Uh, So right now it's just on my site and Mm -hmm. at the museum. Well, I mean, I'm going to take the just out of your site, right? Because it's there and everybody can have it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. our, our own platforms are always the most powerful, right? Because it's, it's where you get to tell the whole story. Um, I was just recording another podcast and we talked about how people aren't telling the long format of their story and that not telling the long format of, you know, why we do the things we do and how you pick the leather. And, and that's what people love to know about. Right. And, you know, I have a lot of um, clients who ask about, should I go wholesale? And obviously going wholesale is great because if you can sell things in bulk, you're going to hit your sales goals faster. So that part's good. But sometimes selling wholesale isn't good if it's cutting off our ability to let people fall in love with our brand the way that we can when it's our own platforms. And I don't think people think about their business that way of courting your customers the way you would a relationship and getting to 
just be fully you because that's what people are excited about. And I think it's hard too when we're like, oh man, we have to be our the face of our brand too because sometimes it's so much safer to hide behind it. <laughs> it really is. Um, again, Mikkel, she's so great. Uh, her husband is a videographer, producer, many things. And I promise you that if it was up to me, you guys would never see this face. <laughs> it's just about the product. And every single time that I talk to them, uh, it, it's probably weekly that I, you know, that mm-hmm. we chit chat and her husband in the background, did you shoot that video yet? Have you done that thing yet? Um, and so video, and it's so great that you said that because that is what I'm uh, focusing on right now, uh, are mm-hmm. creating videos um, to talk about why I use vegetable tan leather as opposed to a softer leather, um, because vegetable tan leather is really that harder, uh, thicker leather. And we're used to bags being more supple and soft as women generally are. But growing up, I was a tomboy. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of rough and hard and rugged um, and utilitarian and, and all that kind of thing. But aged beautifully as vegetable tan leather does and Mm -hmm. can be timeless. And so that's, really what I gravitated towards and, and, um, and in telling that story. And, uh, I, I say it to Mikkel all the time and she's like, but where is it on your site? But where is the video? Uh-huh. People want to know. <laughs> so it is important. Um, it, it, it's, it's the things that, that I fall in love with with other brands. So mm-hmm. I just want to give opportunity to people to, to understand and learn as well why I do what I do. Yeah. And, and, who like, because I saw your face and your beautiful smile, I was like, her business sounds awesome. And I want to know her like that's It was because of that, that we got here. Right. And, and there's so many other people that want to know all the things. Right. And, and as people who own brands and businesses, it, we, there's so much that we know that we've known for so long that we were bored by it but no one has heard it yet or they haven't heard it enough or it hasn't gotten to them. And we forget to tell those like really small, simple details that to us are like, yeah, of course, this is what we do. Of course, that's why I made that choice. And those are the, those are the foundational pieces that I wish more brands would talk about. Like that's the human connection, the real story, the part that lets you go like, oh yeah, and, and there's some connection and relatability. Um, so I'm really glad that Mikkel and her husband are pushing you into those spaces because it's good and it should be. And your story is fascinating, right? Like, powerful ladies exist because I know how incredible women's stories are, no matter what they're doing. And then I get to talk to people who are doing cool things from my perspective. So it's um, it's even more fun. But yeah, you and everybody else, lean in, lean in on telling your story. <laughs> I will. And and what I will say too is another thing that's been um, a great reminder to me and empowering me in that space are talking with my customers when, you know, mm-hmm. when I did see them in person and, and I get to learn about what they did and who they were and why they gravitated towards things and the gifts that they want to give people. And I was helping them choose the thing and I could see how much they cared about the person and, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And uh, it got to a point that people would say, hey, uh, here's a picture of my friend. I need to get something for her. You know, tell me what you would choose. And, um, and then I'd meet the friend and then the friend of the friend and it was 
a whole community um, when I was doing a street fair or, or you know, something on a beautiful uh, spring day like this. And so the mm-hmm. power of that love, even though I could be exhausted the night before and I was creating things or whatever, um, that is what would get me through uh, the day. And I wouldn't even realize what time it is until it's time to pack up and then my feet start pounding like flood from stone. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's also such a great pro tip for, you know, your customers will tell you what they want, right? We spend so much time making up what we think they want when all we have to do is go talk to them and they'll tell us. They just tell you. It's so much easier to respond based on a conversation than to stress and make it and then, oh, they don't want it. And why isn't it working? Because yeah, we're not talking to people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, they want to tell you. Um, but I think it really works when it's a genuine conversation. Um, and it's like, you know, before COVID, you know, go out for some coffee. You know, it's an excuse to kind of get together and just, you know, chit chat and talk and catch up with, with people. Uh, and that was one of the things that was the hardest because people would be in my tent and be talking and, you know, and then I had mm-hmm. to get to the next customer and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm coming. Hold on one second. And people were yeah. so sweet. They would come by, mm-hmm. uh, see that I was busy and then, and then they would come back with like some water or like, you know, some corn or something or, you know, a hot dog. Hey, I saw that you were busy. I figured you didn't get something to eat. You know, um, I brought this over for you. How touching, right? I just, Mm -hmm. what? how could you be upset? How could I Mm -hmm. want to go back to a corporate job when I get to have these these, uh, experiences and interactions? Yeah. And and I love that you shared that that story because I spent the morning like building up rage inside of my body with um, reading posts that Asian American friends of mine were sharing about their personal experience. And the whole year we've gone through of talking about how much hate there is in the world. And I did a post in my story where I was like, how can humans be so magnificent and so horrible at the same time? And it's so easy to get caught up in these stories that make it sound like things are hopeless. And then you share stories like that of, you know, you you probably would have felt it was more hopeless staying at that corporate job. But now that you've chosen yourself and chosen what lights you up, you get to see the better parts of humanity as well. And to have customers or maybe not even maybe potential customers, they haven't bought anything yet, coming to make sure that you're taken care of because they see what you're offering for the world in that community. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm here to support you. And they don't even know you. Like that to me is the magic that keeps things going. Absolutely. Um, and also just seeing how they care to bring their friends, their family, their mother, their children mm-hmm. uh, to meet, to meet them. <laughs> and then the story that they'll have and saying, you know, I bought these pair of earrings and my mother took them. And so now I need to get another pair and you go ahead and pick your pair because I want to make sure that I have mine and they're safe. Don't even ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, um, 
it's such a pleasure and it's such a, an honor to, to be brought into their world and to their lives mm-hmm. um, and to to be able to provide something that brings some joy to them um, and that they can then talk about the experience that they had to to anyone else um, mm-hmm. and the joy that they have from that. So it's it's such a joyous place. It's such a privilege um, especially coming from the corporate place that I came from and understanding that I no longer have the Sunday blues, you know, at the times mm-hmm. that I would be having Sunday blues, I'd probably now be, uh, doing festivals and having Sunday joy. So yeah, it's a great full circle. Which is a perfect segue to asking you where you are in the powerful lady scale if zero is average everyday human and how they feel, and 10 is how the most powerful lady in the universe can feel, um, where would you put yourself on that scale today? And where do you think you would put yourself on an average day? So today I'm feeling quite powerful. Um, so I'd probably go in a six or seven, I'd probably say. On an average day, I'd probably would rate myself at about three or four, but Mikkel would probably say six or seven. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What what, Um, what makes you rate yourself lower on a regular day? You know what? Because the day-to-day of seeing what you know, what my ideas are and just not being able to, to let my hands catch up with my, with my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and then trying to still kind of battle with, Hey, but you need to take care of self, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm such a goals oriented person. So because I haven't figured out this wholesale space in this COVID now COVID world, um, that that's probably what is weighing down most of it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, uh, not only here, but in the workshop before, it's kind of this space of does, does wholesale really uh, work for you? Is that really mm-hmm. what needs to happen? And is it that I just need to figure out the the right channel to get to to increase sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's why I would say that. Yeah. We're, we're our own worst um, enemies when it comes to judging the things we haven't achieved yet, right? Coming full circle to your <laughs> comment earlier about the power of acknowledging our wins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I mean, I feel so much better when I look at the pieces behind me, when I look at, you know, what I've created. I actually went to uh, Neiman Marcus, funny story. I went to Neiman Marcus yesterday to just kind of look around and see, you know, what are the higher level luxury levels uh, looking mm-hmm. like? And I went to the jewelry, jewelry section and uh, I asked her where it's her fashion jewelry. And while, while I was asking the question, I saw that she could not stop looking at my earrings. <laughs> and so when I went to the fashion area, I didn't see any leather jewelry at all, not even a leather bracelet. And I thought, okay, well, that's just not, you know, what they do in this particular store. But I left uh, so excited because I thought, but she's, she's the jewelry, uh, you know, uh, associate. And she's fascinated by my earrings. And that says, that says a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot. And instantly my coaching brain is going down a whole list of how we get you in Neiman Marcus and how we pitch that. <laughs> so we'll have to have a side conversation because I'm like, oh yeah, you, your instincts <laughs> are correct. That is an opportunity. Let's go fill it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, 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 um, 
another example of going out into the space and seeing competitors and seeing what happened. And, you know, there's, there's, there's so many valuable things you learn in that merchant PLM product management space that really apply to every business. One of them being talking to customers and the other being like, go and see what's out there. Cause if you're, if you know what you bring to the table, you see the holes right away. And those holes are so much access, right? Like every hole I'm like, we could fill it. I'm so excited. Right. Absolutely. When I went in, I saw that all the bags were all soft bags. It's like everything that I offer, there's nothing here that's like, listen, this bag is one of my favorites. It's It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. It's made of wood and then it's a leather wraparound. And has pockets on the inside so and a handle when i went into neiman marcus i expected to see something artistic and artisanal this is the best mm-hmm. i saw nothing no and, and and in all honesty my the merchant salesperson in me is like neiman marcus is not good enough for you I want to talk to Dover Street Market. I want to talk to like, I'm already putting you up higher, right? Because there's been such a collapse in what people are offering in a retail space. Like I thought for a while I was just losing my interest in fashion because I just didn't want to buy things. I didn't see anything that made me excited or feel like I was buying something I'd want to keep. Like I was watching a, a French designer do like a Vogue at home interview because I was, you know, going down a rabbit hole of Parisian apartments, which is one of my favorite things to like search as European apartments on YouTube. But, um, and she was talking about, I only want to buy something that brings me joy right now. And I would love to pass on as a vintage piece to my children. And I love yeah. that approach to buying things. Now, of course, sometimes you just buy something frivolously and that's okay. Um, but there was, there's just been such a phase of fashion where everything is so homogenized and everything is so, sorry, that's my dog waking up from her nap, um, where fashion has been so homogenized and things have been so almost dumbed down, it feels, where it's actually really hard to find those creative pieces that allow you to support an artist and be self-expressed. We're going through a phase right now where I think it's so hard to access great, interesting interiors, apparel, footwear, and you really have to find these unique niche places and you have to go and find these designers. Like I'm overwhelmed at how much research I feel I have to do to find the things that I'm craving that I'm not finding somewhere else. Yeah, it's about this multiculture, whether it's the store, whether it's streaming on television. We used to have, you know, seven channels. Now we have, uh, I don't know, 100 streaming um, Mm -hmm. uh, networks. And so it's the beauty of that is that you're able to create your own culture. The hard thing about that is being able to find your culture, right? To be able to find the tribe. I think that wholesale is really uh, what that is, is to create the the channel to to get to that artist however everyone has been telling the same story like you said um and everyone's been merching the same way and trying to to outdo the same store doing the same thing and we've really walked away from fashion as art Mm -hmm. and it bringing us joy 
And so that that is the exciting thing about um, post a post COVID world, you know, is that we get to reinvent what happens. We get to uh, think about how to uh, create a better. Like I'm thinking about this crossbody bag that I'm I'm designing and thinking about. Hey, we need a space for your mask now. We need a space mm-hmm. for hand sanitizers and gloves, and things of that sort, and your know, water bottle. It's now a utility thing but it still needs to be pretty. Where does mm-hmm. that get sold? You mm-hmm. know? Um, so we get to create that world. And I think that the communities will then again, find their own tribe and companies are getting smaller in their uh, company structure. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get directly to the customer, you know, uh, and creating their, their lines and speaking directly to the customer as opposed to going through a wholesale space like a Neiman's or Nordstrom or what have you. And so the great thing is that small designers like myself, we've already been doing that. Yes. And that's what puts us at a win. So whether it be David or Goliath, it's really about finding your space and where you can win and focusing on that and doing the best uh, that you can at that space. And I'm sure that we'll all win. I love that. Yes, we're all going to win. It's That's why we need everybody. And that's also why there's always room for everybody to do what they love because there's there's always a customer for you. There's always a community. And yeah, like we, the competition thing is not the thing. Do, do what you love. There's always room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that competition thing again is that old space. And yes. we are not only participating in a new world but are drivers of this new world and so we get to do it the way we want to do it well for everyone who is enchanted with you as i am where can they find you buy your bags like reach out to you where are all the places that they can connect with you sure so all of that can really happen uh, on, you can go to amberportier.com. Uh, you can go to Instagram, uh, amberportier. Uh, I really don't do Facebook, but if you want to reach out to me there, you can. <laughs> um, but Instagram automatically, and just amberportier.com. If there are any questions, they can email me at info at amberportier. It's A-M-B-E-R-P-O-I-T-I-E-R.com. And I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation and um, talking with a couple people with some collaborations and uh, just really enjoying this time and space that we're in to create and, and do more. Well, thank you so much to being a yes to me and yes to the powerful ladies. I love this conversation and I'm sure we'll be collaborating sometime soon. Sounds good. It was my pleasure, Kara. Thank you so, so much for what you do, for being a representation of an empowered woman uh, and and uh, spearheading this community forward into changing the world. And I thank you for the knowledge that you've given to us in many of the classes and for having me as a guest on your podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. All the links to connect with Alicia are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com forward slash podcast. There you can also leave comments and ask questions about this episode. Want more Powerful Ladies? Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies 
where you can also find some free downloads to start being powerful today. Subscribe to this podcast and help us connect with even more listeners like you by leaving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking to connect directly with me, please visit caraduffy.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope we're taking on being powerful in your life. Go and be awesome and up to something you love.